0: Would you all please stand for the uh, reading of the word? If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. That reading was from James 1, verses 5 through 8. You may be seated. If you're thankful that God is here and working this morning, say amen. And if you're thankful that he's able to do it again, to work in our lives again, say amen. I'm so thankful for that, that he is the God of new beginnings, he's the God of renewal and help, and so we praise him for that this morning. If you have your Bibles with you today, turn with me to James chapter 1, and we're going to be looking there together. In fact, uh, we're going to be looking at in the book of James throughout the course of this um, series. We do begin a new series today entitled Refuel to Be Revived. Uh, revival is an important part of the Christian journey, an important part of the Christian walk. Um, uh, taking time to reflect uh, backward, taking time to reflect inward and look inward to where we are spiritually. Um, and allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate our lives it can make all the difference as we choose to allow God's Spirit to work within us. Uh, all throughout history, if you look back, Um, All throughout history, God's people have needed his spirit to breathe on them in fresh ways so that they can be refueled, if you will, and continue to do God's work, continue to allow God to work in them and help them and enable them to be all that he would have them to be. You know, the truth is we can easily grow distracted. Amen? Amen. In our Christian walk, we can grow distracted, um, we can grow weary, um, we can lose focus or simply drift. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago um, in our spiritual lives. So it's good for us to stop occasionally and to take an inward look and allow God to to breathe his spirit into us afresh. And as I said, for this series, we're going to be turning to the book of of James. And so I want to give you just a little bit of background on what's taking place uh, as these words are written. Many of you probably stand on promises that are found in the book of James, uh, look there for help. And guide us. The, the scripture we read this morning is about wisdom. So you probably look there a lot. Let me just let me just share a few things with you that you may have known and forgotten, or may not know about um, this great book. James, the, who, who who penned this, was the brother of Jesus, um, the leader of the church in Jerusalem after Jesus' ascension. After he went back to heaven, James uh, really wasn't a believer. Most most think when when Jesus was walking on earth, he didn't fully embrace what Jesus was teaching. But after Jesus gave his life and ascended, James quickly rose, believed and quickly rose to leadership within uh, the church in Jerusalem um, at that time. Here in this this book that he writes, though, uh, very quickly he identifies himself, but listen to what he says. Here's how he identifies himself as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, he was simply striving, uh, we learn very quickly, to live out his life in full obedience to God's plan and God's will for his life. So we see he embraces the call of Jesus and, and, and wants to help others uh, walk uh, in obedience to the plan that God has for them as well. And he writes this letter, it tells us, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. So he's writing this letter to the believers of the early church in that time who by the point of the writing of this letter had... had most of them have left Jerusalem and because of the persecution have been scattered all over the known world at this time, all over the Roman Empire, uh, non, living in a, think about this, living in a non-Christian culture and facing extreme persecution at times. That's the group of people that James is writing this letter to, people who are trying to survive every day living out their faith as Christians in a world who really didn't want to hear it. Does this sound familiar at all? Right? This scattering meant that the message of Christ was also being taken to all of these corners, if you will, of the known world. And so James, uh, he writes this letter. You may or may not realize it. Sometimes we, we don't think about it. The book of the, the letter of James is is fa- it falls kind of pretty far back in our New Testament. But did you know that this was actually one of the the it was the most believed first letter or book actually of the New Testament ever written. So this comes very early as people are scattered even before they are are receiving the the Gospels written or any of those things. this, this, This letter from James is going out to them. So I think it's important that we realize that and who it's being written to as we hear the words that we hear this morning, right? In fact, if we back up just a little bit from the from the passage that Ronnie uh, read this morning, which is the like verse 5, right? So if we back up to verse 2, think about getting this letter and hearing this these words being uh, in the in the early church, being a far a long way from home, being persecuted each and every day. And here's the here's the words that James begins with, right? As after he identifies himself, count it pure joy, verse 2, my brothers, Whenever you face trials of many kinds. In other words, I know you're facing trials, but don't get discouraged. Count it joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's the end of verse four, right? What's he saying? Don't get discouraged, God is working in and among all of the trials that you're facing, and he's gonna use all of this to grow you in your faith and make you, did you catch it? Mature and complete, not lacking anything. And then the very next words. So if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God in the midst of your persecution, in the midst of your trials, in the midst of wondering why the things are going on around you that are going on, in the midst of all of that, if you you lack wisdom, just ask God and he will give it to you generously. If you're thankful that's the kind of God that we still serve today, say amen. A God who in the midst of trials and persecutions and heartaches and all of the things that we face in the midst of all that, that somehow, some way, he can use that to grow us in him, make us mature and complete, and all the while provide all the wisdom that we need in abundance. That's what he promises that he will do. That's God's goal for you, by the way. You realize that, right? He wants to make you mature and complete. He wants to make you mature and whole in Him. That's His goal for every single one of us here today. If you're thankful to be reminded of that today, say amen. Mature, complete, whole. What does that mean? What does it mean to become a mature follower of Christ? that's some of what, most of what I want to talk to you about over these next few weeks. But this morning, not to be too analytical, but this might be a way for you to at least visualize what I believe God wants. Have a little chart here, and I don't use charts and graphs and all of that. And if you've been here a while, you've seen this before. But I use it in membership class to kind of help explain uh, the journey of our Christian walk. Letter A on the screen there represents God's provenient grace, the fact that before you ever turned your heart to God, he was reaching out to you. I remind you a lot of God's provenient grace because I think we would all be very glad that God reached out to us one day. If you're glad for that, say amen. right? And the good news is he's still reaching out to those that we're praying for this morning, still in his provenient grace, reaching out to us if we've drifted away. So we thank God for that. That's how it all begins. God reaches out to us, right? He comes to us and begins to draw us to himself. And, and, And as he does that, he continues to work in our lives until we come to a point of decision where we make that choice finally to accept him as our savior and ask him to forgive us of our sin. That's be there, where we have this crisis experience, where the old life is gone, the new life has come all because of God's grace. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God this morning who forgives us? And then what happens? Well, what happens after that is we continue to grow in him. You see, that's not the end of the story. Our salvation isn't it. It continues. God continues to work in us. And he begins this process of making us mature and complete, growing more and more into his likeness, shining light on our path. And we continue to grow We believe all the way until we come to a day where we say, you know what, I'm glad that God forgave me and I'm living for him, but you know what, I just want God to have all of me. And we come to a place in our life of complete surrender where we say, God, I want to be totally yours. I want you to fill me with your spirit. Everything that I am, my plans, my hopes, my dreams, everything that I have, everything that I own, Lord, it's yours, it's at your disposal. Use me, cleanse me, make me like you. Total surrender. We call that in the church of Nazarene a moment of entire sanctification, which is a moment in time where we surrender all to God. Now, it doesn't even stop there. As great as that sounds, where we just say, God, I want your will, your plan, your everything, but God continues to grow us after that and continue to mold us. And can I just tell you that the, the, the last star up there at the top is the day we're glorified, and that happens when we see Jesus face to face. If you're looking forward to that day, say amen. Right, Looking forward to that day. But until that day, guess what? God is continuing this process of growing you and shaping you and making you mature and complete and helping you every single day if you're glad you're not on this journey alone. Say amen, right? His Holy Spirit, it's a work of Him. And I always tell our membership class, I say, you know, whoever uh, drew this graph, they made this all seem like a pretty good, there's a few little downturns in there, but actually it should look more like this, right? If we're honest, we have some really good moments and seasons and we have some hard seasons where maybe we're not doing so well. But all along the way, we're trending toward God, working in our life and growing us and shaping us to make us more like him. That's his plan for you, to mature you, to make you complete in him, to walk in the light he's shedding on your Path, You see, we don't, we don't have the understanding uh, 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 that, that in, our, in our whole journey. We don't always have the understanding all the way out there, almost to that last star of glorification. We don't have that understanding through our whole journey. In fact, God will shine a light on our path as we m- grow and mature in him. Aren't you glad he doesn't pour it all on you at once? But he shines light. And then guess what? When he shines light on our path, when he gives us understanding and knowledge, it's our duty, it's our job to desire, to walk in the light, to walk in the understanding. But see, what happens a lot of times is that he shines light on our path and he gives us understanding, he shows us his will, the direction that he wants us to go, he's calling us to maturity, he's giving us all this light, and yet we don't walk in all the light he shed on our path. In fact, if you'll, uh, thanks to Pastor Jaron, I was describing this to him this week. I said, there's got to be a way to illustrate this. So Pastor Jaron helped put together this, this little uh, picture for us. So if you just imagine the line, the diagonal line there is the one you just saw. It's our path of growth, right? God shines light on that path. If you go down there to a, the little switch on the handle, it's like that switch would represent that provenient grace where the light comes on for the first time, right? For the first time, we have this understanding that there's a God who loves and cares for me and is drawing me to him, right? And then all the way, and God begins to shine light on that path, and all along that path, no matter where we are, there's, the, there's light being shined. Even though we don't have full understanding, God has given us a lot of understanding about him. What he wants to do in us and through us and what, what, he can expect, what we can expect God to do in our life, right? So we have this, we have the idea where we know. Now, every one of us, have a different amount of light that God shined into our life. None of us have experienced the same amount, right? But we're responsible for what he's shown us, how He shined into us. See, so what happens is, a lot of times our understanding of what God wants to do can, can be way out here, and yet where we live can be way back here. And so there's this gap that forms between what I know and how I live. You see, what I want to remind you of this morning is it's within that gap that we need revival. It's in this gap of what we know God wants for us. It's in what we know God wants us to do. In how we know God wants us to live, and yet we choose to live short of that. And you see, I believe the Holy Spirit is constantly illuminating that gap and reminding us, I have more for you. There's a deeper walk I desire for you. I wanna grow you in this area that you're failing in. I wanna help you in this, in, this, in this area of service that you're not walking in, there's this gap. And I wanna renew and revive and empower you to be able to live in the full knowledge, to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, sometimes in our life, things can get kind of sloppy spiritually. That's what happens when there's this gap that forms there. We're not effective. We feel distance. Why does that happen? It's because we've made choices to not fully embrace God's plan and, uh, and the understanding that he has given to us. We don't walk in all the light we have. Okay, think about it like this. In the area of finances, all right? I know that I live best when I put a budget together for my home finances and follow it the way that I should. How many would agree that that's a true statement? All right, I, I, I function best, our family functions best, the whole 10 yards, right? When we, when we, uh, when we do the thing, right, uh, there, there's a picture, right? When we do the thing, now if you're Dave Ramsey, this may click with you, but when we you know, know exactly what we're supposed to do and we fund each bucket, if you will, or each envelope, and we live it out that way every month, everything will work out, right? I mean, I can, I can live the way I need to live, I can pay my bills, I can tithe, I can give to others, I mean, I can save, everything works out when I live in the understanding that I do best when I budget, right? But what happens? A lot of times what can happen is we can live this way over a period of time and then all of a sudden maybe a month comes by and we get, uh, begin to get a little bit sloppy and the next month comes and we think I'm gonna do better and we try to rebound and what happens? Some of you are smiling at me, like you don't really wanna admit that this is you too, but this happens sometimes, right? Easy and a little sloppy. And next thing you know, we're eating at Cracker Barrel every morning for breakfast, and we're eating at Texas Roadhouse for dinner. And you know, it's just like, ah, you know what? I'm tired. I don't have time. I don't want to cook. And okay, maybe that's not your family, but hey, you know. And one area, and then another area, and another area. And before we know it, right, the understanding of how we should live financially versus where we actually live, there's a huge gap there, and a lot of times that gap is called debt, right? It can happen financially. It can happen with integrity. So I'll be honest. Uh, Yesterday, I'm always honest. I'll be open. Um, Yesterday morning, I was going back over my notes and real early, and I was just kind of telling the Lord, you know, I'm just struggling with application, and so... He did what he sometimes does, and that's, he was really quiet. (laughs) Lord, help me to be able to apply this, you know. And so after a while, I kind of gave up. Um, I said, okay, I'm just going to trust that somehow, God, you're going to work this out. And so I got busy about my day. Uh, A few weeks ago, um, my day all around my property out there, um, three sides of it, there's woods, a lot of trees, and I only have just a couple or three trees on my property, but my neighbor's property lines uh, our property with woods. And and it's beautiful when all the trees are standing and all the leaves are on the trees. But certain times of year, not so much. And one of those times is when a big windstorm comes and blows uh, my neighbor's trees over into my yard. And so yesterday, um, this is what I had to deal with. Now, thanks to my good friend who came by and... uh, I was able to, with his chainsaw, kind of cut everything up. Um, I didn't have to do that, but I was left with a a lot of mess to clean up. And so as I was thinking about that yesterday, I thought, you know, I want to get on that. My boys, by the way, will be really glad to know that Dad took care of it. I was asking for some help, but things just didn't quite work out in their schedule. So, you know, Um, so anyway, yesterday I, I decided to get on it. Now, one of the things I was thinking about as I was headed back there, I thought, you know what, like, it's my neighbor's trees, and there's been no response, like, you know, to try to get some, something done here. And so um, I'm going to take care of it, but at least I'm going to get some good firewood out of the deal, right? Right? I mean, at least I'm going to get some good firewood out of the deal. So um, I start out there, and I, I start cleaning up, and eventually, hey, got it all cleaned up. And somewhere in the midst of that cleaning up, I was still lamenting over, a little bit over this message this morning. And I was just saying, Lord, you know, I, I just appreciated if you would kind of help me with understanding this a little bit deeper. And I'm pulling the brush and stacking the brush. And I picked up about the first, uh, the first log that had been cut. And I had taken my tractor, my little garden tractor and wagon, out there with the purpose of loading this firewood up. And I picked that first log up, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. No kidding, like this is just what happened. And said, What do you think you're doing? I said, what do you mean, what do, you th- what do I think I'm doing? I'm loading up this firewood. At least I'm going to get something good out of this deal. I mean, I cleaned the whole tree up, for heaven's sake, right? So it's not your firewood. What do you mean it's not my firewood? It's on my property. For- I mean, I cleaned it all up, right? It's not your firewood. And he began to recall what I'm sharing with you this morning about the gap. You see, I had a choice to make in that moment. Now, some of you might be going, oh, come on, man, it's just firewood. See, nobody's laughing, but somebody's thinking that. Just firewood. See, what can happen is I have this understanding that that doesn't really belong to me. Like, it landed on my property, and it's not right that my neighbor didn't come over and clean up his own mess, and I can give you all kinds of justification, but the bottom line is this, I understand that taking that firewood is stealing from my neighbor. Now, you may not agree with me, you don't have to, but that's what God told me. So in that moment, it's not mine. But here's what happens. See, I can have that understanding, and yet I can justify that I have every right to that firewood. It fell on my property. I should just you know, take it, use it. Nobody's gonna know the difference and everything will be okay. So I have an understanding versus where I'm living. And what happens in that moment is this gap forms in my integrity. Now, had I not told you that story, here's the reality. Had I not told you that story, you wouldn't have known about it. Unless I go over and knock on my neighbor's door and tell him that he's had trees fall in my yard, the reality is this. He's on a lot of acres. He's not gonna know about it. But guess what? I know about it. And most importantly, God knows about it. See, what can happen is these gaps can form in our understanding versus where we're living as Christians. There's been enough light shined on my path that I have the understanding of what I should do. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'll just be accountable to my whole congregation this morning. At some point this week, I'm going to go knock on my neighbor's door and offer to deliver his firewood to him. Now, that doesn't make me some kind of hero. That just makes me obedient to what God has laid on my heart. We need revival of the gap. We need revival between what we know and understand about the truth of God's word and where we choose to live every day. Now, the gap for you may look different, and it will look different than the gap for me. Because the enemy works on us in different ways and these gaps form based a lot of times on our weaknesses or the temptations that come our way. But what we have to understand is that God wants to do it in our lives. These gaps form spiritually and we don't want to get out of step with the spirit. So, hear me this morning. What's the key? The key, I believe, in closing this gap is praying this prayer in spite of all that's going on in our life, because we can justify what we do based just on what's happening to us, right? Oh, I'm in a difficult season. Things are hard. It's difficult right now. I'm under so much pressure. I've got so much stress. And that may be true for you, just like it was true for the early church that James was writing to, right? But the reality is this. Stress and, and pressure and difficult circumstances don't give us the justification to act anything short of being a mature believer complete in Him. If we have the understanding, we have to believe that through the power of the Holy Spirit, God can enable us to live in all the understanding we have. If you believe that, say amen. Through the power of His Spirit. If any of you lacks wisdom, the key to being refueled, the key to closing the gap, if any of you lacks wisdom, He should ask God who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given to him. I love what Warren Wiersbe, great Bible teacher, what he said about it. He said, why do we need wisdom when we're going through trials? Why do we need wisdom during that time? Why not ask for strength or grace or even deliverance? And I've asked for all of those. How about you, right? He says, the reason we need wisdom, here's the reason for it. We need wisdom so that we will not waste the opportunities God is giving us to mature Wisdom helps us understand how to use these circumstances for our good and God's glory. If any of you lack wisdom, God can help us. He can help us to close the gap in our lives. He can help us to live out what it means to be a mature and complete believer if we'll just ask God for his wisdom and for his help and trust in him to give us all we need. Ask him for wisdom. You see, one thing that as we ask God for wisdom, I thought about this Uh, some in the last few weeks. One of the things that takes place in us or should take place as we ask God for wisdom is it's going to draw us to him. You see, the moment we stop and we say, God, I need your wisdom. I need your help. The moment we stop and do that, it should draw us to this personal time with God. And in that personal time, we'll be refueled with him. We need personal time with God regularly. If we don't consistently make time in our lives for for this personal uh, relationship with God, can I tell you what happens to the gap? Right? And the reality is, if we're not spending time with God personally, and then we're not coming and being in regular worship like we should, right? Everything that we do that that keeps us away from the presence of God, the enemy just takes advantage of us in those moments. If you have found that to be true, say amen. Like I think we all have. Why? Because we need to be in God's presence. And when we're in his presence, he will help that gap to decrease Pastor Jaron shared a story with us uh, in our men's Bible study on Thursday morning. By the way, a little plug here. Uh, men, if you have a chance, you should come out and, and join us for Bible study and prayer out at Bob Evans on the West Side at 7 on Thursdays. Commercial over, okay? But if you can, come and join us. Uh, I, I've really been spoken to, as you're gonna see this morning, recently by some of the devotions, but Jaron shared one with us um, from, a, from a book he re- read by Francis Chan. And in that book, Um, Francis Chan shares about his wife's grandmother. Her name was Clara. And uh, he had the privilege of speaking at, at Clara's funeral. And he said, I could honestly tell the mourners gathered that day that I've never known anyone more excited to see Jesus. Isn't that a great thing? So excited to see Jesus. And he wasn't just talking about the transition from this, from here to heaven. Listen to what he goes on to say. Every morning, Every morning, Clara would kneel by her bed and spend precious hours with her Lord and Savior. Later in the day, just the sight of that corner of the bed, just glancing in and seeing the bed there, the sight of that corner of the bed would bring joy-filled tears and a deep anticipation of the next morning spent kneeling in the presence of Christ. Grandma Clara acted toward God the way we act toward people we are madly in love with. Here's what he goes on to say. When you're truly in love, you go to great lengths to be with the one you love. You'll drive for hours to be together, even if it's only for a short while. You don't mind staying up late to talk. Walking in the rain is romantic, not annoying. You'll be willing to spend a fortune on the one you're crazy about. When you're apart from each other, it's painful, even miserable. He or she is all you think about. You jump at any chance to be together, and then Jaron asked us a question something like this, does that describe your relationship with Jesus? Does that describe your relationship with Jesus? Are you so hungry to be in his presence? Are you desiring to be with him because you love him so very much? You see, here's what I believe, we're great, we're well versed on God's love for us. Aren't you thankful for the abundant love of God for you? Nothing can separate you from God's love. And I love thinking about how much God loves me. I love learning about it. I love that God can open his, his, the windows of heaven, it seems, and by his grace pour into my heart an even greater love from him. As I've grown over older, rather I've experienced it more and more and more. Aren't you thankful for the love of God? Oh, he loves you so much today. but I have to ask you the question that I've been pondering since Jaron asked me. How much do you love him? I mean, how much do you really love Jesus? And what he has done for you, how grateful are you? What does the gap look like between what you know about the love of God and where you live in your life of the love that you have for him. You see, I believe that, I know anyway, that I wanna love Jesus more than I love anyone else on this earth. How about you? I mean, he loves you so very much. I want that in my life. Oh God, help me to love you more. If you join me in that prayer, say amen. Oh God, help me to love you more you see we love him why because he first loved us so as he pours his love into your life the reaction the the natural response to that is that we love him even more want to love jesus more here's a great way to do it if any of you likes wisdom god help me to love you with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my mind. And God, give me a hunger and a desire to be in your presence and spend time with you. Because I know when I spend time with you, I'm better. If you, when you spend time with Jesus, aren't you better? Because he's so sweet. Because his spirit will speak to our hearts. Because he will draw us to him. He tells us if, you, if we draw near to him that he will draw near to us. So spend time with Jesus because... You love him. Jesus set the example for us real quickly when he was here on earth, you know. There's multiple scriptures, multiple places in the scripture where you can find that Jesus went away to spend time with his father. He set the example. Mark 1.35 is, uh, is one place. Very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He wanted to make sure that he was walking in perfect harmony with the father, And if we want to walk in perfect harmony, mature and complete in him, we need to spend time at his feet. Pray that he'll give us the wisdom to close the gap, hunger and thirst for it. Another thing that as we ask for God's wisdom, another thing asking for his wisdom will lead us to is refueling by personal relationships with other people. You see, what happens is when we get our relationship with God right, when we're living in full love for him and living the way that we need to, when we get this relationship right, it begins to change these relationships. You see, that this gap forms when we forget that our day is not just, to, not just meant to be about us. And I've been guilty here. Our day's not just meant to be about us. It's really meant to be about God's will for our life and that will always include others around us. When this gap forms in where we're living, we, we turn inward a lot of times. We, we focus attention on ourselves, upon self-preservation. We, we may not say it, but we live out in such a way where we say, when we send the message that I'm the most important person. I'm the most important person, really, in the world. In my world, I'm the most important person. Why? Because we we live out our day based on what we want. That's how we live out our day, many times. My calendar matters most. My agenda matters most. My time matters most. My needs matter most. My wants matter most. Now, we would never walk around saying that, right? Okay, my needs matter, so just get ready. Like We wouldn't do that, would we? But the way that we live can speak volumes in that way. Jesus said in John chapter 13, this is from the message, verse 33, let me give you a new command. Love one another. In the same way I love you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. You see why this love relationship has to be right? He pours his love into us. We need to love him back wholly and completely and desire to love him even more because when we love Jesus the right way, let me tell you something, it can't help but pour into the lives of others around us. His love will pour into them. And asking God for wisdom to close this gap will always lead us to these relationships with other people. Always point always point us to seeing others in a different kind of way. Always helping us to see their needs in a different kind of way. In Philippians chapter 2, again from the message, listen to these words. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, and if you have a heart and if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others to get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. We don't live in a world like that. Or do we? Does your world look like that? Are you making a difference in the world in which you live in this way? Are you loving others the way that Christ has loved you unconditionally, fully, compassionate, caring for them? You know, when our schedules get so full... We forget that we're called to serve others. When our schedules get so full and the stresses of this life pour on, when the world is like I described it to you, that James, James described the world around him full of, full of uh, persecution and confrontation and stresses, when the world gets like that, it's hard to think about anything but this. And yet we're called to do this. And the only way that we can do it is when the gap that I keep talking about this morning is closed. You see, we need a God to close the gap. in our, You see, understanding is not a problem. If I were to say here, how many of you want to help others? I think every hand would go up. How many of you want to serve others? Oh, we want to serve others. How many of you want to show the love of Jesus to others? I mean, I think every hand would go up. The problem isn't knowing. The problem is where we come in on Monday, and Tuesday, and Wednesday. The problem is when the stress has hit us in the face tomorrow. The problem is is Thursday when, when everything has gone haywire and yet we see a need or the Holy Spirit's trying to speak to us but we're so busy and the gap forms. Now this isn't to lay a guilt trip on you this morning. This is to help you identify that we can't do this on our own. And any time that there's a gap that forms in any area of our life, guess who has to try to make up for that gap? It's us in what we try to do. It becomes a checklist for us. And what we need is for this, in this personal time spent with Jesus, that we will draw close enough to him and that we will will shrink those gaps so much that naturally we see things that we otherwise wouldn't see when it comes to others around us. Men's prayer breakfast again. All right? By the way, you should join us on Thursday at seven. Steve Boggs shared a, a devotion a couple of weeks ago and I texted Steve a, a few days later and I told him how much it meant to me and he sent it to me. I've shared it with the staff and some of them and I plan to share it with the rest of them but some of them are gonna hear it now. He shared this, he shared the story about a pastor of a large church, multiple services, multiple campuses He was still making time to mentor others and spend time with them. And Steve shared that the person who wrote the devotion that day had the opportunity to meet this pastor face to face. So he was talking to him. He said this pastor, within seconds of shaking his hand, the pastor asked him, who is the most important person in the world? Who's the most important person in the world? He said it caught him off guard a little bit. He was kind of mumbling and you know, struggling for words and trying to think really fast. You know how we do, right? Uh, 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 uh. He said the pastor looked at him square in the eye and said, it's the person that you're with right now. It's the person you're with right now. The most important person in the world should always be the person who is right in front of you in that moment. Now, I don't know what that does for you. but I can tell you what it does for me. It reminds me that we can get so busy, headed for the next thing, that when those moments come where God puts us in front of somebody else who who may need to hear from him, oh, like I'm glad for interaction, but see, what we have to understand is that we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are his voice, we are his arms of love, we are his eyes of compassion. And if we're so busy moving and running and stressed and all the weight and all of these things that we miss out on the person that's right in front of us to share the love of Christ with them, we've missed it. And we can get so busy in all of the things that this gap forms so that when I stop to talk to you, you know, I've found myself like this before. I have somebody in front of me that's talking to me and I'll be standing like this. I've caught myself since I read this. Why am I standing like this when they're standing here? Think about it. I got, I'm, I'm going somewhere, right? I've got something else to do. And I've had to change, like intentionally the Holy Spirit has spoken, change your stance. Tune in, look. Listen, love, care, show compassion. Like, those aren't things I need to learn. I like to think that I I kind of, some of those things flow out of me because of who Christ is in me. The most important person in the world, person right in front of you. Oh, God, help us to close that gap. You see, I don't think we would ever intentionally hurt anybody. And yet, what can happen is we get so busy that we miss out on these opportunities for Christ to work. Through us. Jesus was so limited in his time on earth, and yet as you go through scripture, this devotion reminded me that you read experience after experience after experience after experience where Jesus was one-on-one with somebody, and he was sharing with them, he was healing them, he was touching them, he was communicating with them, and his time was so short, and yet he still took time for the one. May God help us to close the gap and take time for the ones around us. I wonder, what about that person who will be in front of you in just a few moments? When we dismiss and we gather, there'll be people who talk to you and share with you. I wonder, are we thinking about what Christ may want to do in a moment over here, over here, back there, in the gym, just outside the front doors? What about at work? What about in the places that you go this week? Oh oh God, may you help us to close that gap so much that we are so in tune with your Holy Spirit that in those moments we hear your voice and we're willing to say and do whatever you would have us to do. May God help me. And may God help you. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciple. Not by what my shirt says, not by what somebody else says, not by what I tell them, but by the love that you have for one another. God, give us the wisdom to close the gap. I'd like for you to stand with me this morning, and Pastor Nathan is going to come. Bow your heads with me, Father. We're we're humbled this morning in your presence. This has been a a message that you've preached to me before I could share it with people I love. I'm thankful for the work you're doing in me even now and grateful for all the more things that you're teaching me. I pray that you'd help me to live in the full light that you've shed on my path, and I pray that for each one here today. Help us to ask for wisdom this morning. Help us to ask for your spirit to enable us to apply what, we, apply what we know. I pray for those who are right now hearing your voice speak about the gap that has formed in their life, and I pray that they would come this morning seeking to close that. The gap's only as big as from wherever they're standing to this altar. Because when we come before you, you take care of all of that. So help us to come this morning. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Be obedient to the Lord.